Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. It is time for Counterpoint, which of course is brought to you by our friends over at Pizzaville. You can go to Pizzaville by either logging on to pizzaville.ca or give them a call 416 3636. Tell them Alex sent you and order me one too. Bob Richardson joins us, our Friday regular senior counsel over at National Public Relations. Are you in Canada? Alex, how are you? I'm in the great. Yorkville. Okay, 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 perfect. Uh, and Peter Sherman, who, of course, you know very well here in the Global News Radio 640 family. Hello, Peter. Good to be with you, Alex. I hope you're well. I am well. I'm always well on a Friday. Everything about well, Friday the gives sun's us... still out, you know? I, it's a weird thing, eh? But uh, yeah. sadly, the days are getting shorter already, but we'll take them while we can. Um, let's talk a little bit about polling. I cannot say I'm at all in the slightest uh, shocked by this. This is forum research finding that 46% intend to vote liberal, 26% conservative, new Democrats uh, coming in at 12%. And we, you all know that the liberals swept Toronto all 25 ridings last election. I'm not sure that's going to happen this time, but I'm not in the least bit surprised, and I'll start with you on this. Uh, Bob, that, that Toronto is, is loyal to this party. I mean, they may not deserve it, but the bigger takeaway for me for the polling, and we know that this can change a lot because it's like lifetimes to the election, is how feckless the NDP are and that the Greens have a lot to gain because I think a lot of people are still looking for somewhere to park their vote. Well, look, it's early, and let's remember at this point we had, um, you know, the NDP leader, Tom Mulcair, uh, Mulcair uh, becoming prime minister at this point of polling four years ago. So let's none of us get too carried away, but it's good news for the Liberal Party. They've had a very good month, uh, I think, uh, after several horrific months. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, they've had good months in terms of the uh, economic statistics, the Prime Minister's participation in international events, a whole variety of different things, and, you know, credit to him for that. Part of the reason the Liberals are doing so well, with great respect, is the weakness of the Conservative leader. He just does not speak to urban voters, period, full full stop. I know uh, I know my confrere on the radio is from Quebec, so I will say point final, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> He just does not speak to urban voters. And I think they're making it, and this week is a good example of that, tone deaf on on the environment, tone deaf on uh, issues related to the LGBTQ community, tone deaf on a variety of things that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. And I think the Conservative Party, quite frankly, by being honest, could be doing a lot better if they had a more um, modern um, uh, leader of the Conservative Party and not this sort of extra from the set of Leave it to Beaver. Well, you know, the, they would also have a bigger advantage, um, Mr. Sherman, if they could take the big uh, prime ministerial jet and, uh, f- you know, float around the country on the taxpayer dime campaigning every single day and oh, handing out checks. I mean, me that, well, you know, well, they're campaigning. Oh, that, and, addressed and, me, and, Bob. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and look, the opposition leaders, all three of them should be making the noise about this. But, you know, they don't get that. They don't get that advantage. 
Well, there is an advantage to that, but you know what? The, this It's nice that Bob was able to wrap this up in a neat little package and put a bow on top. And I respect a lot of the things that he said. But you know what? This is about the fourth poll that's come out in the last three weeks yeah. that says, to greater or lesser extent, the same thing, that the Liberals are leading particularly in the 905 ring, that the Conservatives have yet to make a, a bolt for the front. There are a lot of things going on here. Let me just enumerate. You've got uh, the Max Bernier party. It may not be much, but three or four percent percentage points there you've got um, a bleed of the NDP generally to the Greens you've got probably a couple of points in the Greens that come from the Conservatives you do have the lack of knowledge of uh, of what Andrew Scheer is all about as Bob has correctly pointed out although I suspect with the kind of war chest the Conservatives have and and they haven't rolled any of it out yet to fight the commercials that are on TV yeah. from yeah. Engage and they've been going to see an awful lot yeah. there to define what Andrew Scheer is about but here's a big thing when Harper faced these same problems and he did we you know we have short memories he did and it took him a while and then some minority for a while um he sent a guy who's now the premier of alberta named jason kenny mm-hmm. into uh, the, the basically into the breach he spent more time in ontario circling the 416 in the 905 communities and notably in ethnic communities and that guy when he was in thornhill he was jewish when he was in brampton he was uh, he was a sikh or an indian <laughs> he was a hindu whatever he had it to be worked. he was and he was really good, and it worked. And we haven't seen that kind of outreach coming from Sheer. And I'm I'm worried about this because uh, you can't win without having the groundswell that Ontario and notably Central Toronto provides. And everywhere else, Trudeau is toast because he's a liar. Well, you know, he went into enemy territory today in uh, Alberta, and if you looked at the, uh, I don't know if you saw it, if you if you saw the oil workers behind him, they may as well, they, they had lasers in their eyes burning into his head. They did not look thrilled to be there. But I don't know if either of you heard about this, if you've been watching Twitter, but uh, the Green Party, Elizabeth May, has hired uh, uh, war, uh, Warren Kinsella to operate the quote-unquote war room, albeit she's like, it's not a war room, we only have peace rooms. But clearly, Bob, the, the uh, Greens are gearing up for a fight, and Mr. Kinsella's made no secret of his uh, disdain for this particular government he he's done this before he's run a lot of campaigns well listen full disclosure warren and i went to university together i am an old friend of his so you will get nothing negative out of me tonight i will be uh, nice and polite well no i I mean what i'm saying is that he 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 has experience to run a campaign and the thing about elizabeth me is may is she doesn't you know she's never really had to kind of and he has run uh, some very, very good uh, war rooms over the years for, you know, work for Mr. Kretchen. Uh He did exceptionally good work for Dal McGinty on campaigns. Uh, this is a person not to be taken lightly. Um, at, at the same time, the Greens seem to be, I thought the Greens would be smarter, uh, more organized, more focused, uh, lining up. Where are the five or six or seven interesting Canadians that are joining the Greens and running for member member of Parliament right now? Well, if we somebody have, can find them, you know, Bob, uh, it's going to be Kinsella. He might be calling you after this, well, Bob. You, <laughs> your you know, your job, Bob, is to find us the star candidates. <laughs> there you are. But uh, but uh, we yeah, will be on the opposite sides on this one. But but. But the Greens do not seem to quite have their act together. Um, And the NDP are a mess. Mm -hmm. They've nominated 113 candidates, you know, in a 338 uh, candidate race. And the candidates that they're nominating in seats that they should be competitive uh, with are not prominent people. 
and they're not people that should be, you know. He's not even going to stampede. He's not going to stampede. He launches a national cycling strategy promise in Ottawa. I'm like, dude, get out to the... The only worry I have about the NDP is that the NDP is not going to do its usual job, which is to bleed votes from the Liberals well, the green and allow might, us though. to go through the middle. The Green might. Yeah. Well. The Green might. Yeah, the Green, actually, in, in fairness, the with or without Kinsella, the Green probably stands to be able to bet a few, a few bucks on a, a bit of a breakthrough. I'm not saying that they're going to rule Canada anytime soon. What I'm saying is yeah. they might find themselves with three, four, five, six, seven representatives sitting in that house come yeah. October and um, you know go on go have fun Greens yeah well look I think they underestimate Kinsella um, and I disagree with him on a lot of stuff but uh, at their own detriment because he knows what he's doing um, yep. let's talk a little bit about the Conservative Party asking Canada's spy agency to investigate whether recent comments by Ottawa's former <laughs> ambassador to China pose a threat to the upcoming fall election here's Lisa Raitt talking to John Oakley a little bit earlier on why they want this this cannot be dismissed with a shrug from the Prime Minister and comments from Christia Freeland saying that the comments were inappropriate. This is more than inappropriate. This is something that needs to be looked into, and that's why we decided to send the letter. I mean, Peter, you can chalk this up to politics, a stunt, whatever, but the bottom line is uh, it can't be met with a shrug, and the bottom line is he did say the comments, and and they're dangerous. Yeah, and if we were in the States, we'd be appointing Mueller and we'd be calling him a traitor. The the problem, I'm not an apologist for John McCallum. In fact, he was in a neighboring writing to mine when I served, and and, uh, I had occasion to be at a number of events with this guy. Um, At this point, he is an old guy who could best be described as a loose cannon. He's already been fired by this government. He's going to make comments, and and he's going to make comments again. Uh, And I I think, in fairness, I I understand what Lisa Raitt has to do. I understand what the conservative position has to be. But I I also understand that the Chinese are going, (laughs) listen to this guy. Mm -hmm. Okay, they're they're going to do what they're going to do with or without what John McCallum has to say. Yeah, Uh, but notably, I mean, if this uh, shoe were on the other foot, the opposition would be making the, the same kind of noise. Sure. Look, if I was in opposition, I would be doing exactly what the Conservatives are doing. So, you know, I'm not going to fault them for it. But this can't be taken remotely serious. They will get 24 hours of good press out of this and good on them for doing it. Mm-hmm. But uh, this, is not a, this is not a serious issue. Uh, John McCallum uh, was dismissed by the government. Uh, the government made their views fairly clear. Uh, look... You know, I do have a problem with our former ambassadors to China. We obviously have a very difficult issue that we're dealing with here. And quite frankly, this ambassador, Ambassador Mulroney, Ambassador Saint-Jacques, can't get themselves off of TV and off of radio and out of print. And you know what we need from our former ambassadors right now? Silence. Yeah. Uh, It's a tough situation. We're trying to get people out of a difficult situation. We're trying to get our products into the country. And you know what we need from all these characters? Yeah, go away. (laughs) Okay. Exactly. You you know what? There's a piece of me that agrees with you, Bob. Then there's another piece of me that says, what exactly do you think the people who actually do speak for government, and I'm talking about Freeland and Trudeau, are doing about this? The picture picture that was worth a thousand words was Justin sitting next to Xi Jinping <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. And um, you want to talk about the deep freeze? They might as well have been behind uh, bars. Well, yeah. 
Not the kind of bar that Mr. Trudeau would like to be at, but yeah, it was uh, not, not nearly as fun. All right, guys, let's uh, just pause it there, and then we'll pick up the, the rest of the headlines. There's a lot going on today. Uh, as we pick up round two of CounterPoint, which, of course, is brought to you by our friends over at Pizzaville at pizzaville.ca, or you can give them a call at 416-736-3636. We will be back right after this here on Point. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio. Hey, no name-calling here. Just differing opinions going head-to-head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. And it is time for round two here of Counterpoint, brought to you by our friends at Pizzaville, either online at pizzaville.ca or just call them up, 4167 3636. We've got Bob Richardson and Peter Sherman now weighing in on all things thingy. I don't know what your liquor stores look like, guys, um, but if you look around, there's, there's a, a lot of dust collecting on the shelves as. Uh, you know, delays in getting the booze onto shelves is a growing problem, blamed on this new distribution management system that apparently no one can figure out. And it's rumored apparently to have been rolled out before it's ready, kind of like Presto and Phoenix and every other government program that's put into place. Bob, OpsU is blaming this on privatization, but the way I look at it is if we had privatization, I'd be able to go elsewhere. Well, Alex, I don't want to scare you, but I'm with you 100% on I knew I'd win you over. Uh, I knew I'd rub off on you. The LCBO <laughs> drives me crazy. I'm a Quebecer. Mm. And I'll forgive you for only, that. Only in this country where somebody's handed a complete 100% monopoly and they can't keep liquor on the shelf. I was in my uh, I was in my store uh, not that long ago, four or five days ago, and it looked like you know like shelves in uh, in a grocery store in Zimbabwe, <laughs> and you're just going like, what is going on here? You have a monopoly. It's you have one job. <laughs> you have one job to do, which is to get liquor in people's hands. The other job, by the way. It's got the recycled bags, which they also run out of regularly because they can't figure out uh, how to keep those in stock either. Here's an idea. Privatize the LCBO. Uh, as Mr. Kretschmer would say, the better, the sooner. Yeah, because the proof is the proof is the proof is the proof, uh, whatever the proof clip is. But like, but like, like uh, Peter, they can't, what is with these government programs that they buy and no one can understand them so they don't work and we end up spending billions more to fix them to get I have no idea I I tried I went to my local LCBO I tried to buy a bottle of Glenlivet pretty common single malt scotch I wanted to pay with my presto card they wouldn't do that (laughs) and they didn't have Glenlivet so (laughs) I mean it really is like that but you know what you you asked about uh, the comments by uh, Smokey Thomas of Opsu and he's attributing this to privatization what the hell are you smoking Smokey okay they don't have the pot file so they're not smoking is it that good you don't even sell cannabis you're on something because this has got nothing to do with privatization it's got to do with the fact that they bought a package they didn't have it developed i don't believe Mm -hmm. uh they implemented it like a lot of companies do sometimes they push the button before it was uh, the right time and so they have the trucks and they have the men and they have the stock and they can't get it from point a to point b because the delivery schedules or the manifests are not being spit out properly and they don't know who needs what so this is just bad management and i think what where we have to look this it's not about Doug Ford. It's not about any of that. It's it, it's ultimately no. going to be about the government saying to its management at LCBO, you botched this and mm-hmm. we're going to fix it. And how we're going to fix it is we're going to change you. Yeah. You know what? People need to be fired. Yeah. <laughs> if, if people cannot, You're hilarious. <laughs> no, but if people cannot run a monopoly mm-hmm. for alcohol, 
for God's sakes, is getting simpler in life. If you can't run that, then you shouldn't be there. And you know what? People should be held to account. This board should hold those people to account. The government should hold them to account, and they should be shown the door. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, Bob, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, quickly, we don't have a lot of time for this, but uh, you've both, I'm sure, been to Miss, uh, to Stampede. Uh, I've been many times, and, of course, we get the same headline every year, a third horse killed at the uh, chuck wagon races. And, I, and you know, I'm a massive horse lover, so I can't stomach this particular event. I don't like it. It's antiquated. It's outdated. Is it time to get rid of it, Mr. Sherman? Yeah, it is. The, the stampede is a great thing. Horses and cattle are, are part, of, part of it. Animals are generally part of it. I don't really... There are people who would say, uh, you're not an animal lover if you can condone rodeo. Look, the, these horses that, that participate in rodeo are like the riders who are on them. They're bred to do it. And there's nothing wrong with it. They don't get hurt. The, if the chuck wagon races are organized in such a way that horses, three horses have to die, there's something wrong with that. And people don't go to sit in a, a coliseum and watch that uh, and they don't take kids to see that mm-hmm. so if that's the way it's going to be screw the chuck wagons do something else it, it's the one event that i mean i can i can put up with the other stuff but it is bob the one event that i that i just cringe because i know how risky it is and and as the the chuck wagoners will say themselves and they're saying tonight look it is a sport with risk and this is part of the price you pay but again in this day and age where we don't eat you know shark fin soup we don't let whales get bred into captivity we're doing all these other environmental things like at some point you got to say okay get rid of the wagons and, and the horses part well i you know, I, I, I'm probably one stage before both of you. I'm a big fan of the Calgary Stampede. I think yep. it's great. I've, I've been lucky to participate and see it. I think it's important to the culture of, of both the city of Calgary and and Alberta. Um, so, you know, I think that's all important. I'm wondering if there isn't one stage before we ban stuff. Uh, I would they, like them go to go to two horses. I'll say just change, just tweak it. Two is, horses. Is there, is there anything we can do? And I just don't know enough about it. Yeah. But is there anything we can do to kind of like move it forward and continue the tradition without uh, with with you know without these problems that we've uh, that we're seeing today? So I think it's probably time to move at least to that step. Mm-hmm. And if there's nothing we can do, it's time to think of the other step too as well. Yeah, I think they could um, you know just kind of tweak it slightly. You put Two horses instead of four. You might not get the power, but you also don't get as many deaths. All right, guys, you're having quite a party there in Yorkville, Bob, clearly, so I'll let you get back to it. But I thank you very much. (laughs) And Peter Sherman. Yeah, good stuff. Thank you to you as well, Peter Sherman. I always appreciate it. Have a good one. And I think you're you're filling in on the morning show? Morning show all next week, yeah. Oh, good. Lucky you. Wake up. Well, three thirty in the morning is a bit of a when you first do it, it's a bit of a push. But you know what? By Wednesday, you're cool. Yeah. Well, I'll be thinking of you while I'm sleeping. All right. Thank you. On Point on Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.